for our diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Where there's a will, there's a way Hello everyone and welcome to Raw Recovery a trudging together podcast. My name is Dion Miller. I am your host today. I am excited to have our speaker on today. I've only known Heather for about a week, but it feels like I've gotten to know her. Um, and I think it's because a lot of times when you're on the same path, you you know, you just kind of have this connection with somebody and you know that it's a fit. And those are the things that God does for me. He, he, he does those things for me. So, um, I, Heather and I had met through a series of meetings for some work that we're doing. And um, I just love the way that she spoke. It was very clear, very strong, a very strong story. Um, so, and when I hear people like that, I'm always looking for speakers. So we handpicked Heather. Um, uh, Heather uh, grew up in Inglewood um, and also runs her own business called Diamond in the Rough as a recovery coach. Heather, thank you for taking your time today, especially on short notice, coming on and sharing your story. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I, it's an honor. Um, <clears throat> thanks, Dion, for having me. Um, and thank you for your whole team putting this together. Um, so like I said, it's an honor. And I think it, you're absolutely right about how God connects us with people on the same path and you know, people are in your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And that's one of the biggest things that I have learned in my experience. I'm stealing that line. Okay. Yeah. I stole it. So most of the things that come out of my yeah. mouth like, came from people who have the things that I want. So. so, And that's it. And there's, you know, I don't really think that there are any more original ideas. There's billions of people, billions of brains. Yeah. It's just, what do we want to enforce? What are our priorities? Absolutely. You know? um, and anytime that we can grab a line that helps other people understand their situation, I'm going to snag it. Awesome. So, well, thank you. I absolutely. That. So I'm excited. So you grew up here, you grew up here uh, in Inglewood. So uh, a Colorado native. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your yourself to the show is now yours. So this is Trudging to Get or Raw Recovery with Heather. The show is yours, honey. Awesome. Thank you. So yeah, like Deanna had said, my name is Heather. And I always introduce myself this way because it's the truth. I'm an alcoholic. I'm an addict. Um, and that started long before I ever put a substance in my body. Absolutely. Uh, that's what has been uh, revealed to me more and more lately. <laughs> um, you know, so... Uh, like he said, I grew up in Inglewood. Um, I still live in Inglewood. I don't know what, what <laughs> the same block, just a mile away from where I grew up. It's weird. Um, but I grew up in Inglewood. Um, and you know, like my childhood was, it's funny. Like I, I like to say my childhood was really good and it was, um, mm -hmm. there's, but, but like I said, there's this part of me because I'm an alcoholic and an addict long before I ever picked up but I always just felt like I thought different. I always thought I was different. Um, I didn't feel the same as everybody else. Okay. Um, you know, I struggled when I was younger, um, starting with like eating disorders and overeating okay. um, and not really liking who I was. 
Um, and, you know, that quickly transformed into seeking like love and validation from all the wrong places. Okay. Did you have brothers and sisters? I do. I have one brother. He's okay. Older than me. Older brother. Okay. Yeah. He played some evil tricks on me, you know, made me do handstands and watch me like on my back and knock the wind out of me, all that fun brother stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. That just kind of gives us an idea. So, you know, because we all kind of grow up differently, but somehow we end up on the same path. Right. But I think the one consistent I always hear is, I never felt like I belonged. Right, right. And, and I think that's kind of a key there. Did that come from our parents? Did it give, I don't, I don't know. I haven't figured that out yet. Right. Um, did people enforce or enforce it or not reinforce it? Yeah, because they're people. Right. So, but I think that's the one consistent that I've heard. Right. And, you know, like as I've grown, I've learned that that feeling of belonging that I wanted, um, you know, I'll speak my truth came from God. Mm -hmm. I still struggle with that today uh, in the situations, uh, in some situations, but um, I didn't have that feeling of belonging um, until a year, a year ago. Okay. Yeah. So then um, high school was good, <clears throat> you know, but truthfully, like all of these things, like I can see now. And what's crazy is God has me working with people who are exactly like me. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, and that's just how it works. And so I'm not even fully healed from my stuff and God has me helping people. Um, and that's how I heal. Like, that's how my program works. That's how God works in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, it's and, and maybe that's the attraction because I love helping. I think the best way to educate yourself is teaching. So that's what I do because you got to go get all the information um, and you feel responsible and accountable for that. So right. I think it does it. Yeah. Teaching other people, I think is a great way to learn. Absolutely. That's been, I mean, that's how I learn anyways. Like I'm yeah. a hands-on learner. <laughs> Um, I like to experiment as evidenced by my history. Um, and, you know, in high school, even that sense of belonging, I didn't have that. Um, you know, like I mentioned, I struggled with like eating stuff and I was an overeater, but I wasn't like overweight. Um, but I was taller. I was taller than everybody in my grade starting at kindergarten. I was the tallest girl in the class. And my best friend was the smallest, shortest, most petite girl. And a lot of that stuff made this self image of me. Uh, like it created a self-image that I believed that I was bigger than everybody else. Yeah. Um, and women in recovery, I know really, really struggle with that. And that's something that I haven't fully healed from. And it's something okay. that I'm passionate about. And, and so that's where, when we talked about how we teach, like God uses my own words sometimes. Yeah. To, <laughs> to teach me. Yeah. 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 It's, and I think we call that reading, reading our mail. You know, okay. where somebody, somebody will call you and just be like, Hey, I kind of noticed this and maybe you should do it. And you know, it's like they read your mail, right? Yeah, but that's what God does. And, and he does that because we have an open mind and we're willing, um, right. you know, I listen to everybody, even when I, if I get texts that are mean or whatever, I will read them and I take it all into consideration Yeah, because if it's going to help me change and God's trying to tell me, then I want to, I want to be able to catch that. Right. So, right. Yeah. so when did your drinking career start? 
when I was 15. I think okay. I was 14. I started drinking. I mean, you know, really, I grew up in an Irish Italian family. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there was always just, there was alcohol available all the time. Um, sure. I, I started drinking really what I could save when I was 14 years old. All right. Um, I started using methamphetamine when I was 15. Oh, okay. So, that's a big step. Yeah. That's how, that was my grad. That's how I leap. That's how I leap in life. Okay. Uh, well, and I'm familiar with Inglewood and that time era. That's a really big step. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and it really was about my association. I'm okay. very passionate about the people that we keep, the books that we read, those that's what we will be in the next two to five years. Absolutely. Um, and that was, it wasn't the greatest of influence on me. Um, and it wasn't my top choice association, but that's what it was. Um, mm -hmm. And so I started drinking and then I started using meth and, you know, it obviously just progressed. Um, and in that I created a lot of different habits. Um, you know, I became very promiscuous. I was seeking attention from men all the time. I was seeking mm -hmm. attention from women. Um, one of the things that I struggled with when I was growing up, which made me feel absolutely insane, was my sexuality. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't know if I was attracted to men or if I was attracted to women. I didn't know okay. what was right and what was wrong because I seemed to fall in love with with both of them. So it was very confusing for me. Sure. Um, and I think that that was part of the reason that uh, I started using, to be honest. Okay. Sure. Trying to find, trying to find that identity. And I'm, and I understand even as a man, you know, even as a man, wow. <laughs> Strike what I just said as a man, <laughs> man, that Jill would, Jill would kill me if I wouldn't have done that. She'd be like, don't you talk about my friend like that. <laughs> um, you know, when, when I was growing up, I, I never went through the phase of not liking girls because I always felt like it, you know, and I had my first girlfriend until I was close to high school. Okay. I had always tried to, you know, so when I started drinking and said, yeah, a plethora of women, I, I don't right. even know most of their names because yeah. I was just, it's like, oh, well, you know, if I get that one girl, that's just hot, you right. know, then I, then I've made it. And, and now it does. I tell you now it does not work like that. Right. And I spent a long time um, looking for love in all the wrong places and then hurting those people along the way. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And, and you know, what happens is like this severe codependency. Yep. And of course I didn't know at that time, I've done a lot of work in this area. Um, and so I didn't know at the time what that was, but like the severe codependency on the people in my life and not knowing the difference between love, lust, and admiration. Absolutely. Like, yep. Very confusing. Yeah. Um, Might as well just change that song to looking for lust in all the wrong places. Right. Because that's what it is. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, because of that, <clears throat> I had a tendency to fall in love very easily. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, that broke my heart. Like I, my heart broke several times yeah. because I was in such a delicate age, number one. Um, 
you know, those teenage years are super delicate. Yeah. And very I'm, impressionable. Yeah. I'm working with some, some people who are young and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, it, the things that I was doing at their age, like mm-hmm. it, it blows my mind. Yeah. Um, it does. But, you know, I got hurt by men quite a few times. Sure. Uh, one of the things that I'm, my pattern is to go for people who are unavailable um, emotionally, physically, sure. in relationships. Um, and, you know, that's something I've done a lot of work on as well. But what that does is just creates, you know, heartbreak. And then and it's just this vicious cycle. Yeah. Um, how do you heal from that? Well, for me, I stick a needle in my arm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. And I, I drink, I remember, um, I was dating, I was dating this girl and we shouldn't have been dating. And, and I asked her, I, I'm like, you know, you're younger than me. You're obviously, you know, she, I mean, she really, really pretty. I'm like, you're, you're beyond me. Why are you even going out with me? <laughs> And she said, because you're a fixer upper. <laughs> wow, that's honest. It was, and I still didn't break up with her. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I mean, I mean, it works both ways. Yeah, I've had my heart stomped on too, uh, because um I was so willing to give my heart away so quick. And exactly. I'm not yeah, and, and now that's earned. I have a boundary right. around that now. Right. Uh, and it and it's earned. It takes a little bit of time. Yeah. So so good on me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and how I learned that was uh through the program. I mean, I yeah. go to AA and I learned that through God and through mm. the program and of the people, the people in that program have taught me uh priceless amounts of things. And that's yeah. one. And my my sponsor, uh he literally came up to me and this is when I was trying to quit. I was a chronic relapser and, and he came up to me. He's like, Dion, you know, we love you here, but this has got to end. You haven't met God. So you come with me and I'm going to introduce you to God. Hmm. So I started my relationship with God. That was the first successful relationship I had. And then that's, and then now that's how I do my relationships. Like I do with it. So God taught me how to have a relationship with him, with myself. Hmm. And now I can have a true relationship with my wife, um, with you, with Jill, with Corey. And these are all the people on that. And these are relationships that are unique. Right. Priceless. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the closest people to me um, told me that, you know, when you're healed, is when you listen to a love song and you think about God. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, all right. So you were 15. Yep. In high school. Yeah. Junior year. I was, so I was freshman class president. There's just like, this is how my life is like complete jumps. So I was okay. freshman class president. I was on a roll, a plus loved school, loved my teachers. Oh, um, I mean, so even like, you know, freshmen's the float for homecoming, usually no matter what you get last place. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I was freshman class president. We had second place because even nice. networking, like that's one of the biggest things I can, like, I'm very good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, even as a freshman in high school, I had resources that other people did not. Yeah. Um, I bet, I bet before you got into recovery coaching, you were a salesperson. 
Uh, I mean, I was, I've been a waitress and a manager and in the restaurant business for a long okay. time. So. That's sales. Yep. Absolutely. Waitressing is sales. Right. Did you know that guys? Right. <laughs> so is being a doctor, a lawyer, a lot of salespeople out there. Right. I'm one, yeah. you know, I, I sell myself. Absolutely. Not like I used to, but you know, in a different sense. Now. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah. So then freshman year was great. Uh, junior year is when I started doing drugs and I remember like that's kind of when my heart broke a lot like the worst the most you know I was absolutely in love with this guy he was way older than me um and you know I thought that he would leave his girlfriend for me he did not when I found that out um I remember being in my room uh and I was I was eating methamphetamine drinking rum out of the bottle and taking Benadryl to go to sleep because I had to be to school the next morning. My bedroom was right next to my parents' room. Um, And I remember, I don't, I don't remember like what I wrote, um, but journaling, I started journaling. And then the next day I read it, but I was probably still um, continuing that pattern because I don't remember what it said, but it freaked me out so bad. And then things just kind of started to go downhill from there. I started using a lot more. I started experimenting with the combinations of um, alcohol and and meth. And um, eventually, like my meth source changed, had to change. And so I had to start hustling and figure out how to how to get my drugs. because That's what I needed to do. Um, I hated it when my drug dealer went out of business. That used to just tick me off. Yeah, I know. Like now I did. And I didn't do a lot of heavy drugs because my mom prevented that. Um, but yeah, even you know, even weed, man. You know, <laughs> once I once you found a source, man, you you'd be nice to you know, don't piss off my drug dealer. Right. <laughs> you know, right. yeah. I mean, and so even even in that sense, in that aspect, like I was networking a lot. I had a lot, I somehow got a lot of different resources and had a lot of different options. Um, and then once again, back to the association, um, I started hanging out with people who were 20 plus years older than me. Okay. So, um, being in high school, um, which I did not finish. I dropped out my senior year last semester. Wow. Right. Well, considering Um, how much you said that you loved it. Right. Just a year prior to this, you loved being in school and the attention and everything that's going on. Yeah. Drugs took you, man. I'm sorry. They sure did. did. And then I just, you know, I just eventually stopped going to school because that was interfering with what Mm -hmm. I needed to do because I could, you know, drug dealers don't work on my time. They work on their time, which (laughs) interferes with my schooling. So I just quit school. (laughs) and uh um eventually you know I put my parents through hell my parents watched they figured out they knew that I was using drugs Mm -hmm. Um, I love my parents to death but there was definitely some enabling um and I I say that that happened you know parents don't want to admit that their kids are struggling they don't know absolutely um I go through it with my kids absolutely yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I know that my parents did the best that they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I was just a rebellious teenager, uh, manipulative, and you know, I took advantage of my parents. I took money from them to get mm-hmm. drugs, and they would—they eventually stopped giving me their car because I would take it for three days at a time. 
and run it to the ground. Um, I just had no respect at all for my parents. Mm -hmm. I had, um, and then eventually they stopped giving me money. So what yeah. did I do? <laughs> I only have a couple options. Yep. Um, you know, I went and learned how to commit crime with mm -hmm. those people that knew um, that I was young, I was impressionable, uh, and that I was a dope fiend. Yeah. So I was okay with that. And, and underage, so you wouldn't get in as much trouble. Yeah, I mean, I think at that time I was 18. When okay. I started committing crime, um, I was 18. Jeez. Eight, yeah, 18. Okay. Yeah, so, so you, you would have been tried as an adult. <laughs> right. And I was. <laughs> ah, ah, ah. And I was. <laughs> So, um, you know, my entire, I will say this, my entire methamphetamine career up until the last six months, I was not using it intravenously. When I started using it intravenously, I became the monster um, that like I, you couldn't, I was unstoppable. Yeah. I, thought that I was invincible. Um, I lost all respect for myself and other people. I lost all moral decency that I had, um, you know. I would break into people's cars. I would break into people's homes. I would steal their mm -hmm. cars. Um, I would shoplift. Um, and then what happened was I did all that in that six month time span. Okay. Um, and I got arrested six times. Yeah. Once a month. That's pretty consistent. Yes. However, every time I got arrested, it was not just like a slap on the hand. Every time I got <laughs> arrested, it was at least six felony charges. Oh, <laughs> I mean, one time I got arrested and there was 36 counts of felony charges. Um, and so, you know, my parents kept bonding me out and I would get out and, and then I would go commit the same crimes and mm -hmm. then back to jail. And so then they, all of these cases, it was three different counties, six. Oh, um, gosh, we are so good at just spreading ourselves around and because that's how i was it's like i got i got warrants in three different counties in this state i gotta leave man yeah yeah i mean really i just didn't know what i was doing um and it's and scary too and and you walk around all the time looking for the popo man yep all the time yep um i'm just now getting to a place where the cops don't bother me anymore me too you know? yeah yeah it's my paranoia right me too. I was like, oh, there's a cop behind me? How long has he been there? Yeah. Now it's like, I'm so legal. Pull <laughs> yeah. me over so I can prove it. <laughs> you know? right? Oh my gosh. I got I'm pulled a... over twice uh, within the last six months and it was the same cop and he let me go both times and didn't even like, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, how things have changed. You know, that's, the, that's the thing. The reason I didn't like police officers is because I was doing something wrong. Correct. And, um, and I've been doing this off and on since 1989, and I have met a lot of police officers. Right. Most of them are pretty darn cool, man. Right. Uh, they really are, but they got a job to do. Exactly. You know? And that's how it is. You don't just walk up to a police officer and expect them to shake your hand. They right. ain't going to do it. Right. Yep. They need to protect themselves for a reason. So. Right. It's just cool how our minds change you know where before i used to run from the police now i'm ready to go over the police station and say hey i'm a recovery coach is there something we can do for you over here right you know it's and let's go do a rattle on let's let's go get you some bad guys let's do that <laughs> yeah you know? and how we've changed so much right 
I mean, it's a complete turnaround. Um, it blow, like it really does blow my mind. The evidence of God working in my life um, and my entire life is so mm-hmm. strong. Um, th- I used to get pulled over um, by being boxed in, like uh, by cop cars. Yeah, yeah. You know, the SWAT team around me. And now mm-hmm. like I get pulled over and um, I get to just leave without yeah. anything. Yeah, the second car doesn't show up. Right. You're not you're not getting put in handcuffs. Yes. And yes. The I had also noticed something while you were talking into that right before we got into the uh, police conversation, and you had said something very specific, and I think other people got it too. Was I lost myself, mm-hmm. right? And that's what I heard. And I'm thinking bottoms, that's bottoms guys. Cause for me, your bottom is if you've lost yourself, that's good enough for me. Right. You don't have to live under a bridge to change your life. Absolutely. You don't have to go to jail and do all that stuff. That's why we tell our stories to let right. you know, you don't have to do that. It doesn't work. Right. Yep. Absolutely. So what happened with all those charges and stuff? So what ended up happening um, was my amazing, amazing parents um, helped me with an attorney. So I ended up, I was facing, I was facing 36 years Mm -hmm. um, and I got a six year community correction sentence to be completed at uh, Pier 1 in Haven. Um. So there i'm a pier one haven graduate congratulations um, wow you. no okay that's making a lot of sense to me now yes so but twice because um i wasn't quite ready i went there okay. when i was 19 years old um, i spent my 21st birthday in treatment yeah. um, and so then you know i did the program i do really well there that's a great program i love it uh i learned so much from that program and but then, you know, I got to the outpatient part um, okay. and I, I was doing really good and I relapsed. Okay. Uh, and so after I had graduated and then, um, so I had to go back in because it was a community correction sentence yep. and pretty much redo it. Um, okay. And I remember they took me to jail one day because I relapsed and, and they came and got me. Um, and then I had to start the program over and then I got my graduate status back. Uh, and then, you know, I still wasn't done. Okay. <laughs> I still wasn't done. I think I was 24 years old and um, I was the GM of a restaurant. Uh, you know, one of the things wow. for me is success. Yeah. Um, often, like it doesn't have to be something bad because I'm an alcoholic yeah. and an addict. Like it doesn't really matter if it's something good or something bad. All I need to do is justify in my brain a reason. Yep. To party. Um, and so you know, I went out with some people who were in treatment. I didn't, like, I'm not proud of this. Um, but we went to the bar and then by the end of the night, we were all loaded. We yeah. were all loaded. Um, there were people that I, they were my employees. Um, I caused a lot of harm to that restaurant. Um, I caused a lot of harm to the people that I was with. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like one of the things, like I'll just be really vulnerable. I cause a lot of harm in relationships when I'm using Sure. Y'all absolutely. Um, yeah. Other people's relationships. And uh, so that happened with those people that I was with. Um, but then that started an eight month period of me going all out. Like, okay. I, like, I said, you know what, I'm not going to mess around this time. Like, I'm not going to go chase the bag. I'm going to have the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, so I upped my game a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> 
Instead, uh, instead of looking for the man, you were the man. You were the right. person to go to. Yep. Yeah. And th all of this, having nine felony convictions, I don't know if I said that before, but how that ended with uh, the previous jail stuff and charges was I got nine convictions on my record. Okay. Which is a lot. That so, is a lot. As a 19 year old. <laughs> Whoa, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, and so then, you know, I went out and played some more. Um, I upped my game a little bit. Uh, not proud of it at all, but that I lost my, like, that's where I really, my soul went away. Like my, um, my soul, I could feel like I looked in the mirror and I didn't know who I was. Mm -hmm. uh, the level of crime that I was committing was so harmful to mm -hmm. society, um, people's welfare, their money, there's home security. Yeah. Um, so, you know, eventually, <clears throat> eventually the cops were looking for me and my boyfriend because you know it was me and him bonnie and mm -hmm. clyde doing our thing um and my poor parents house was under surveillance for about a month wow. um and you know eventually they caught up to us and uh, i went to prison for 18 months and i was looking at 54 years mm -hmm. um because i was a habitual offender yeah um and so you know they said if you take this to trial we're going to charge you with habitual charges um, you'll lose uh and you'll get a 54-year sentence so either take seven years of doc or take it to trial like okay your choice. um so i chose the seven years i did not know what that meant um okay. i what i you know i ended up doing 18 months in prison okay and i will say that i will never take that experience away like I would never yeah. take that out of my life. Absolutely. Uh, that's where, so ending like with the, the criminal stuff, um, I ended with 12 felony convictions. And I okay. say that because it's important um, because in the end, my success, I used to, I used to be fall victim to the labels. I thought like, yeah. and I have this many felonies. I'll never be past like management, you know? Um, and now I'm a business owner. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah you know um, people can change yeah people change because even when you were talking about that i could hear i could hear the nervousness in your voice about being in jail yeah um i and i'm the same way my ptsd comes from being locked up right so anytime you take away my freedom right means like if i go somewhere and i feel like i'm required to i'm not very comfortable interesting perspective. So, yeah. um if you take my freedom from me i have a that's when i'm like that's you know so i i understood i could hear it in your voice too yeah. it's a horrible experience people like they treat people like jail like shit it's because they don't want you to come back right it's supposed to be a pleasant experience right <laughs> yeah so, i mean it is definitely what you make of it sure. um where there's a couple of reasons that prison was so important to me. Okay. Number one, um, you know, I, I've always like prayed cause my family was Mormon Catholic, weird combination. So I always knew about God. Um, but I didn't really know God. I knew of God, but I didn't know God. Okay. Um, and so when I was in there, they had Joyce Myers playing in the day room. Okay. And, Good old Joyce. Oh, I love <laughs> Joyce. I listen to Joyce Myers. People, every that, day. people that don't like Joyce are communists. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Do 
she's so awesome. So I heard something. I don't remember like what she was saying, but I started listening. Um, and God was speaking to me. And I asked my mom to send me like a Joyce Meyer Bible. And I started reading, like listening to the show every day. And I started looking up the scriptures in the Bible that she talked about. Um, and so then I started like, that's where my, that's where my relationship with God really started. And that's why I'm so grateful, um, for my time in prison. And then the other thing that I'm grateful for is, um, I started to, I mean, so many things, but I started to, uh, like want to go to meetings because I was going to get out soon. And so okay. I used to go to NA. I used to go to NA when I was in treatment. Sure. I never really worked the steps as evidenced by uh, continuously relapsing. <laughs> um, and, but the class was full. So okay. I was like, okay, so I guess I'll go to AA because I didn't think I had a drinking problem. I didn't put the two together. <laughs> as soon as I put alcohol in my body, like within an hour, I'm usually sticking a needle in my arm. Yeah. But I didn't put those two together. Um, so AA was had availability. So I decided to go. And I finally like felt like there was a book that spoke my language. Mm -hmm. The literature, um, you know, like when it told me that like I have a spiritual malady and that I think differently, mm -hmm. um, it explained so much to me. Um, so then, but, but then even after prison, I wasn't done. Okay. <laughs> so even after prison, all that, I go to the halfway house, I'm working at a Mexican restaurant, I'm doing really good. And part of my job as the waitress is to mix up the margarita mix okay. in the iced tea pitcher so yeah. that we can, you know, pour it real fast. Well, any good chef or bartender will tell you that you have to taste the product to test it. or <laughs> you give it to the customer. <laughs> So I just started, uh, my, my drinking career started with uh, margarita in a salsa dish in the back of the house of a Mexican restaurant. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so then I started drinking a lot and it became like every single day. I don't know how I didn't go back to prison. I don't know how I didn't hurt anybody. I don't know how I didn't um, get caught on parole. I don't know how, because of God. That's how, yeah. I mean, really, yep. really, it's because of God. Um, and, he had plans for you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was drinking a lot. I didn't realize it was making my life unmanageable um, until I got into a fist fight with my brother. And I had kind of already known that my drinking was way out of hand. And it really didn't like drinking didn't necessarily destroy my life, but it hindered my success in like as tremendously. And my sponsor okay. Like drinking didn't ruin your life yet, but the truth yeah. is usually I put alcohol in my body followed by drugs, which ruins my life. Yeah. Um, so um, I finally went to AA and I remembered I had my big book from when I was in prison. The big book that I use today has my DOC number on it. Nice. Um, yes. Yeah. So I always... I am forever grateful for um, the people who do hospitals and institutions, H&I work um, and take things into prison. And eventually that's something that I want to do as well. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, uh, however, before I found AA, um, while I was at the halfway house, my roommate showed me, she was like, have you been to this church? And I was like, no, I don't go to church. 
Um, like I didn't know I was afraid. I went to like one Catholic service on Christmas Eve with my mom and my grandma. And I was like, this ain't for me. Like I'm not having knee surgery (laughs) at age 30. This is not for me. So, um, I started going to Red Rocks church and since then that church has been my home, but even that was not enough for me to stop drinking. I would drink like before I went to church. Um, but like the combination of God bringing me back to AA, uh, it was just incredible. So, Mm -hmm. um, I found myself in AA and I jumped in, like I jumped in. And part of that was because of my defects. Okay. Um, And so I really love that, like God eventually turns my defects into assets. Mm -hmm. Um, like how do you, you know what I mean? I do. (laughs) I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So, you know, um, I jumped in, I started to get to know the women in the program. Um, and I worked the steps and I mm-hmm. worked the steps one time and then COVID happened. Okay. Like mm, I had alcohol in the car because in my right thinking, I was like, if the world is going to end and the liquor stores are going to close and I want to drink vodka, I'm going to be pissed if I cannot get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, I went to my home group and I didn't share about it and we don't call on people there. And somebody looked at me and they said, they, they pointed me out. They saved my life that day. <laughs> and they said, why don't you share Heather? And I was like, and then I just started bawling. Uh... Yeah. It's like there's alcohol in my car. I'm so scared. I lost my job, you know, because the restaurants closed. Yeah. I didn't know. Like it was the stress of like, you guys remember every hour you were getting updates of what was happening, what was closing. And we were like, Oh my gosh, what is happening? Yeah. Um, and I was six months sober. Okay. So I was six months sober. Uh, I remember texting because, because I was taught early in the program to reach out to women when things yep. are good, like all yeah. it'll be easier for me to reach out to them when things are bad. And so <clears throat> I was struggling really bad with wanting to drink one day and um I text somebody who is now like the person who is now my best friend and I said I'm gonna go walk my dog do you want to go and um she was like sure and and I didn't say that I was struggling you know mm-hmm. um but really that day that person showing up and suiting up yeah saved my life yeah um and what's so, what's so, this is what's so neat, you know, like, like my days. So in the morning I ask God, you know, I do the third step prayer, get me out of myself, yeah. put people in my, put people in my path that I can help. I don't know who it's going to be. <laughs> if I do, if I'm just available and that's it, uh, the even miracles will happen from that too. Yeah. Some drunk will show up at my front door. It'll happen. It's happened before. Yep. Um, if we're willing and honest and open-minded, God will answer you. <laughs> Funny story about show me who I can help. Um, I, I, I sometimes don't, I get a little bit nervous about saying that because okay. there's three times that I've done that. And all three times, I'm sure I've said it more times, but I specifically remember praying it that morning each time I have, oh gosh, maybe four um god uses me because there's people on the side of the road yeah i'm like 
And people were like, Heather, would you stop picking up strangers on the side of the road? I was like, look, like he's wearing nice shoes. His bike broke. Um, I know. And then what's funny is like, I just see him carrying this heavy bike walking up the street. And like, I can tell he's a bicyclist. Like I'm not, I don't feel threatened, whatever. Also, I've been to prison with people who've done some really messed up things. Like I'm good. I feel yeah. outside. So, um, I give him a ride and then it turns out like he's drunk. And mm -hmm. so then he's like, what do you do? And I'm like, I'm a recovery coach. And he's like, recovery for what? And this was one week after I started my business. <laughs> and I said, drugs and alcohol. And he starts telling me like how he just called his insurance because he's an alcoholic and he needs help and he doesn't know what to do. It's and then SR 15 and then it, yeah. Yeah. And then he started, uh, he started going to AA. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I like it. Sometimes I'll hand out money to people on the corner, but I include my business card. Me too. You know, um, it's about planting seeds. It's about, you know, uh, even with your story, we heard that seeds were planted in you so that when it was yeah. time for to quit the alcohol, you knew what to do. Yep. You know, um, we never know. It's not our choice. You know, God's the one that determines all of that. And there's something to be said about our intentions. Right. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, okay, I want to go buy a new blue Honda. Right. I don't know much about cars. So new CRV or whatever, right? Go and get it. I test drive it. Love it. Thinking about getting it. On my way home, I see 50 more of them just like it. But I never saw them before. Right. Because my intentions were not around that. Correct. And so when my intentions are to help other people, the human mind will create scenarios for you to do that. Yes. Yes. I mean, I, during COVID, one of the, the most valuable things that I was taught was how to be of service. Yep. And I learned that like, Sure. I was chairing meetings. I was just like starting to learn how to chair meetings. I started um, like the Zoom there. I was hosting a bunch of Zoom meetings um, for AA. And then eventually I just didn't have boundaries and got resentful and it all worked sure. out in the end. Mm -hmm. um, but I learned how to be of service outside of the rooms. So me and my best friend sewed 250 masks um, yeah. during COVID. So much healing happened at that table. Yeah. Um, as she was transparent with me about her struggles, I became transparent with her. And what happened is we got to heal each other. Yeah. And like now I get the opportunity to do that with these young people that I'm yeah. working with. And it's that don't have to that don't have to go through all the yets that you had exactly. to go through. Yeah. Exactly. And I'd like to I'd like to hit on something. On page 164, it pretty much says. You've done the steps. Now go out there and do it. Right. It says it right yeah. at the very last line. And we will surely see some of you as we trudge the happy road of destiny. Yep. That yep. means get off your butt and go help somebody. Right. And, and, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people have to be taught that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, but fortunately, some people are willing, some people are not. Yeah. You know, often I tell my sponsees um, when they're in their head, like, you know, what I'm told is if I'm thinking about, if I'm thinking about you, I can't be thinking about me. Bingo. And so, 
Also not my line. I will say that. <laughs> None of my lines are mine either. I, th I think the only one that I can think of that I have is uh, if you don't watch your karma, your dogma will bite you in the ass. Okay. Nice. It's a decent one, but I'm sure somebody said it before me. Yes. So. But I'll take credit. Why not? <laughs> Put a hashtag on it. Mine. Own it. Yeah. Own it. That's, well, and that's the thing is, you know, yes, we'd love to put all that out, but it's not about the popularity. So our world is much different, you know, where, because the thing is, is, you know, there, because there's four people here, three of us are recovery coaches. Right. Well, aren't we supposed to be competition? No, we're not guys. That's the way, that's what's so cool. All right. What if I have somebody that comes along and, she just got out of DOC. Do you think that's going to be a good fit for me? No, I'm going to get her over to Heather. Right. Right. And that's how we work. What is best for the person that you're working with at the time? Meet people where they are at, not where you are. Right. Right. And that's, um, you know, what I'm super passionate about. And I have to remind myself because I'm an alcoholic and I'm an addict. And so greed sometimes is natural to me, not only as a human, but I have these of more. So um, very often I have to make sure that my mindset and my intentions, like we talked about, mm -hmm. are impact over income. Like, yep. you know, impact is one of my values, um, yep. whether it's through AA, whether it's through my family, whether whatever it is, um, whether it's through smiling at somebody, because there's not, you know, like now you can't see if people are smiling or not. Um, and all it takes sometimes is like a simple hello to make mm -hmm. somebody stay, make them feel noticed. Um, and so. That's why I smile with my eyes. Yeah. Just look at somebody and go. Huh? I know. Yeah. yeah. So um, as we wrap this up, what I'd like to do is could, could you maybe talk a little bit about what you thought success was before recovery and now what you consider success? Sure. Great question. Um, so for me, I thought success was material. Mm -hmm. I wanted all things material. Um, it was in numbers. It was quantity, not mm -hmm. quality. Yeah. Um, today, <laughs> success for me is having like my own personal success is living through my values. Mm -hmm. um, even having to be able, like even having the ability to identify those values. Yeah, um, absolutely. you know, God, my recovery, impact, freedom, uh, integrity, honesty, you know, I am so blessed because I have, I have mentors in my life. I don't get, I don't do this on my own, nor do I want yeah. to do this on my own because absolutely, I can't. Yeah. So for me, success is being honest and open-minded and willing to ask for help and perspective. Yeah. Um, to me, success is having, I would rather have strong relationships than a big house. Mm -hmm. I would rather have strong relationships than a lot of money. Um, mm -hmm. And then what's funny is when I focus, like when I do the next right thing, that's success. Yeah. When I make it through, when I make it through emotional turmoil and I respond and I don't react, that's success. Absolutely. Um, being able to manage my emotions, being able to ask for help, um, being able to be transparent, um, helping somebody else, being of service, being selfless. Yeah. Um, you know, um, one of the things that I need more success in is valuing myself 
which I yeah. think common struggle for a lot of people. I think that's the hardest one. It yeah. ourselves is always the hardest. Right. Um, so success for me now, um, because I choose to do the next right thing and I make that decision, God brings me all of the things that I thought were important to me before. I yeah. just get to look at them a little bit different. Um, so now, um, like I said, I have 12 felony convictions and one misdemeanor and um, I have two businesses. I yeah. have two companies. Um, the one that, you know, I'm a recovery coach with is Diamond in the Rough Recovery. Uh-huh. Um, I never thought something like this would be possible. And I am forever grateful to the people who showed me how to do this. Uh, um, yeah, and, and I like to point out, because I know that you're saying that you're working, that you you know, that's a kind of a goal that you are working on. Right. If I'd like to point out that you're doing it. Thank you. Yeah, because you, because you said, I'm trying to work on that. But I just open my own business. I do my own. You're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you may not see it, but you're already doing it, Heather. Great job. Thanks. Thank you that very much. That is fantastic. Let's hand out your phone number. Okay. You want me to tell you or? Yeah, go ahead and do the. I don't have it in front of me. So if you sure. want to go ahead and give out the phone number. Sure. My phone number is 720-335-7800. So, yeah. And you know what I really love about recovery coaching um, is it helps me be like a better sponsor. It helps me be a better friend. Sure. Um, I've learned, I learned so much. I learned so much from uh, the people that I work with. I learned from my sponsees. Yeah. And the other thing that's really kind of great about it is, it, you know, in, in a program, it's typical to work with the same sex. Sure. Um, in recovery coaching, that's not necessarily the case. That's I mean, correct. Yeah. And so that's what I love about that. And, and I just wanted to say that as I gave out my phone number, I mean, obviously boundaries are super important to me and I seek a lot of perspective um, before I make decisions and just hold strong boundaries and stuff like that. But right. yeah, I mean, that's, what's great yeah. about coaching. But at the same time, and this works with males and females is having, you know, finding somebody with some strong recovery. Absolutely. You know, I, um, I, I'm a little bit older and my my AA experience is probably a little bit rougher than most other people. You understand being Pier One Haven, right? Um, where you know, like people are like, it is suggested. Now my sponsor told me it's not suggested. You got to do it or you're dead. Yeah, I'm a page twenty one drunk. I'm hopeless. There is no suggestions in here for me. But the thing is, I want it. I want right. it. So, yeah. um. All right, I want to point out something before we wrap up here. First off, Heather, thank you so much. You're welcome. I had a great time. This was a lot of fun. I, um, I agree. Um, and of course, on short notice too. That's always a big deal. So, um, you know, everyone, thank you for listening. And you know, I want you to notice that when we were talking, when she was talking about the success before, it was materialistic. She listed off two things. And her success compared to now, she listed off like 20 different things. <laughs> so you tell me which way, you tell me which life is better, okay? Um, if your success is around money, uh, it's going to be a wrong place for you. Um, but success comes in a lot of different areas, um, which we find out all the time. So, um, all right, everybody, thank you for being here. And... Uh, I love you all. You guys know I do. And if you can't love yourself, then I will love you till you can learn to love yourself.
Again, everybody have a great day. I love you. Peace out and have a day. Bye. Bye. <laughs>